live from Studio 6B on a Monday night, Real America's Voice, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Lots to talk about, and we'll do it, of course, with Rick Dogato, who's going to do the news. Rick Amorati, Slick Rick Scott Sports, Aaron and Fran holding it down on a Monday. Glad you're a part of the show. As always, make sure you follow us on our social media at LFS6B pretty much everywhere. Slick Rick, how are you? I'm doing great, Big D. How you doing today? How was the weekend? Fantastic. Great weekend. Got to see the big George Foreman movie. And uh, it's my sixes one on Sunday. Thank barely. You. Yeah. Barely. Yeah, barely. Oh, after you left sh- there, shinny, shinny, shinny. what did you tell me on Friday? Oh, they're not going to beat us. <laughs> they almost beat you twice. I know. Almost. <laughs> Man, that was lucky, lucky, lucky on Sunday. Quite the game. Yep. Quite the game. So, um, we saw a movie. That's good. I can't remember the last movie. Well, no, I saw Top Gun. That's the last movie I saw, uh, which was fantastic. All right, Slick Rick, we'll get to sports. I'm sure there's a lot coming up in sports. Rick Delgado, how are you? I am well. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. It was Any movies? Any movies? Yeah. I saw a movie named Blood. Really? Which was very odd with... uh, this actress, she was in a Tom Cruise uh, movie, and uh, yeah, she starts, uh, her kid decides he's going to start drinking blood. It's a weird movie. I okay. suggest you check it out. All right. Doesn't sound like it's <laughs> going to be high on my list to go see. Like, I couldn't get past the fact that, look, your kid, after he got attacked by the family dog who went in and got got infected by this tree this evil tree um bits the kid bit the kid on the neck and all of a sudden the kid in the hospital he starts drinking blood and she catches him because she's a nurse there i can't get past the fact that wait when you see that if you are a healthcare professional you wouldn't be like whoa 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 call the doctor immediately instead she's like oh let me hide this it's like how do you not you know this isn't normal behavior for a child right this movie was um, showing in a movie theater, no, or this was like was in a, a rubber room it was on somewhere. Ne- Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Netflix. Okay. All right. Uh, I couldn't get past it. I'm like, why would you do that? Because it, inevitably, it's going to make it worse. The kid's going to want more and more. She starts draining herself. She starts draining uh, animals. She, she kidnaps somebody. It's it's lunacy. Uh-huh. Other than that, I had a nice weekend. Thank you for Okay. That. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, How about put- your weekend, Big D? Bloody <laughs> <laughs> Harry on was, Friday night. There was no movies. <laughs> there was no movies involved with my weekend. It was. Um, what did you say? You were partying with Harry Friday night. I saw you guys went out, right? Friday I saw night, Harry on Friday night. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I saw Harry after the show on Friday. That was uh, late. And then I saw. What did I see? I didn't see Harry on Saturday. Saturday we were with. I was with the kids hanging out. My daughter, um, my daughter had dance uh, competition. Oh, that's fun! Oh. These competitions, these dance competitions, whew. that's heavy duty stuff. Big buff stuff too. all day. <laughs> these one after the other, after the other, after the other. So there was twenty nine of her age group solos, and uh, she came in third. <laughs> wow, that's great! And she nice. got the highest score you can get, which is platinum in her um, in her thing, and came in third. And out of her out of her dance school, academy, whatever you call it, uh, she was the top top one. So third overall out of 29 and top in her, her thing. And it was beautiful. And she absolutely loves it. And it's great, you know, I don't know, it's, I mean, duh, it's not, this is not groundbreaking news to anybody, but it's, it's fun to watch your kids um, 
not only do stuff, but it's just fun to watch them find something that they're passionate about, that they want to put that kind of time and hard work in. I mean, she is there seemingly every hour that she's not in school. She's seemingly at dance. Right. Um, but she absolutely loves it. And it's, um, you know, it, prov- it provides the kids the challenge and some ups, some downs. They have to deal with a lot of stuff during it. And she's dealt with a lot of stuff. Not always been happy about it, but now she loves it. She, she was, she's just beautiful. She's a beautiful dancer. And I'm not just saying that because she's my daughter. Maybe partly, but no, she's a now, beautiful now, dancer. Now, does she get that from you? Well, she's tall. <laughs> so it? she gets that that's from me. And her mom, who's probably like 5'8", so mm-hmm. that's a reasonable size, I guess, for a woman, right? That's on yeah. the taller yeah. side. Sure. So she's tall, and she's got legs for days. And she has beautiful lines, and actually she got a special judge award called Beautiful Lines. So her lines are gorgeous, and... Um, she really, just to see the pure joy in her face is really what's fun to watch, so. Right, but, uh, but I'm asking about the, the dance itself. Like, the, was that something that other people have done in your family? Like, you can kind of be like, oh, that's, you know, that's something that, uh, that may um, have been an influence or something? Yeah, or well, no? mom, mom's been an influence. Mom danced. I don't think mom danced to the degree that she's already at, my daughter, but uh, my sister. So, I mean, I don't know that. I guess it can be influenced, but I think either you just kind of do it and have it or you don't, right? right. I mean, it's kind of... Right. So. Well, you grab it. And, and you I would gather the it. pure joy in her face she doesn't get from you. No. No. <laughs> that doesn't come from me. Definitely no. Not. That comes... That's solely on her own. <laughs> solely on her own. So. Uh, so that's what I did Saturday. And Sunday, I watched your Philadelphia 76ers just about blow it. Um, my wife wanted to know what was the noise upstairs. I was banging stuff, banging my head against the headboard, like like Biden's. Wow, like Biden's dad. Like, Maybe yeah. that's what was going on. Oh, all I was that crazy. Time. Joe oh. didn't realize it, but his dad was watching a Sixers game. He could have been because that would have drove you. So crazy. I did that on Sunday, but it was it was good. It was nice to have some yeah. nice weather, and today was finally nice too. It's beautiful. So smoked a couple cigars yeah, there, yeah. Slick Rick. Yeah, I know you were dying good. to text me too. Oh, I got Sixers lost. <laughs> <laughs> I can't text them. <laughs> After you told me they couldn't beat you in Philly, they almost beat you twice. But, yeah, almost. Uh, but hey, it's, almost only counts as cigars. That's right. Brand new series. Best of three now. So, Well, I'll tell you who else is going to be banging their head against the headboard is Joe, is Joe Biden because out this morning, his approval rating is now, and again, I still think this is about 35 points too high, but it's at 36. <laughs> That's high. <laughs> yeah, That's 30, high. That 36. High. Jim Garrity has all of the brutal details. Over there at the National Review, he says, hey, remember after those midterms when uh, the conventional wisdom was that President Biden had defied all the odds, executed a surprising turnaround, and had all the momentum heading into the 2024 presidential cycle? Yeah, well, uh, never mind. Uh, at least as far as the latest ABC News, Washington Post polls, not like it's the uh, Breitbart whatever poll, ABC News, Washington Post poll. And that poll reads as follows. As he begins his campaign for re-election, President Biden faces substantial and multiple challenges, according to the Washington Post ABC News survey. His overall approval rating has now slipped to a new low, more Americans then not doubt his mental acuity and his support against leading Republican challengers is far shakier 
than it was uh, this point four years ago. Biden's overall job approval now stands at 36%, down from 42 So even if you believe these fake nonsense polls, this is down six percentage points, even from February in the Washington Compost ABC poll. Uh, and about the same as the previous low of 37% that the post-ABC poll conducted in early 2022. His disapproval now stands at 56%, including 47 who disapprove strongly. Uh, those numbers are brutal. The survey found 58% of Democrat-leading adults uh, said they preferred the party nominate someone other than Biden. And also found, quote, among independents who voted for Biden in 2020, 57% approve, while 30% of the people who voted for him in 2020 now disapprove. Even more frightening for this White House, in the poll, by 54 to 36%, Americans say President Trump did a much better job handling the economy when he was president than Biden has done during his presidency so far. Also, a solid majority of Americans now believe Biden is way too old to do the job. Today, 63% say he does not have the mental sharpness to serve effectively as president. And if they watch today's crazy town, he was about as sharp as a dull butter knife. So that's not going to help him (laughs) because today was brutal. If you put a percentage on the number of words he said today, Slick Rick, that were actually (laughs) understandable and possibly qualify as English... I'll bet it's in the low teens. Wow. It was hard to watch. I thought, I didn't know if he was going to fall asleep standing up. It was, it was on my, it was possible. There with, um, as he calls them, Secretary Buttigieg. <laughs> Secretary Buttigieg. Uh, these numbers are what you would expect to see from an 80-year-old president who only does events between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., five days a week, rarely ever takes questions, needs a cheat sheet to, for press conferences, and meanders and mumbles his way when he's not reading off of the huge teleprompter, and he can barely do that. Also, when contemplating the choice before the GOP in this cycle, this detail is amusing from the poll. Uh, among Americans who say Biden lacks the mental sharpness to serve as an effective president, 12% nonetheless, 12%, even though they say, this is what I always say about the <laughs> Democrats, they vote to their own demise. Oh, yeah. 12% still say they would vote for him if it was against Trump. So that just tells you. So they'll all tell you that their life is worse off. Their finances are worse off. They're worried about the debt. They're worried about crime. But, oh, he's running against Trump? Oh, I got to vote for Biden. Right. Makes, make sense of that. Make it make sense. Um, so that's the poll out this morning. So what do you think of that? Well, that's the delusion of the left. I mean, and I was thinking about this today because, you know, I was hearing a report about how, oh, it's down to 36%. I'm like, it's not 30 No. Everybody knows it's not 36 But But the delusion of the left is like, well, you know, okay, but we just need a different Democrat in there because if we had a different Democrat doing the same exact stuff Joe is doing, it would come out much better. No, it wouldn't. It's still the same terrible, uh, 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 nonsensical uh, policies. It's just a different face that you're hanging on the front. Big whoop. You still got to look past that face and be like, what the hell's going on in this country? Well, let's see. Uh, we're still hemorrhaging jobs. We still have a, a, a 
huge border issue. Crime is out of control. Inflation is coming back. Banks are starting to 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 crash. Uh, but other than that, if we just had a different person doing the same thing Joe was doing, see, because Joe can't talk now. If we get somebody who could talk but do the same stuff, man, it would be so much the same. That's all it would be. It would be the same. They just don't get it. They don't, like you said, the, the 12% are like, everything in your world is is terrible. Yeah, I still want to go with them, though. You know, I think he's going to pull it out in the, in the final moment. It ain't going to happen. This isn't a Sixers game. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep, exactly right. But again, they still, they'll vote, it, they'll yeah. vote to their own demise. So To their own demise. And all right, to so- ours. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we, there's lots to talk about tonight. Lots to get into. A lot of it involving the New York Post and some of their reporting on Biden and James Comer. What's coming this Wednesday? We'll get into all that crazy town coming up. Lots to do. News and sports on a Monday. Just getting started. Glad you're in live from Studio 6B. We're back right after this. the worst border crisis in American history. And it's one being driven by the Biden administration's open border policies. Under President Biden's leadership, more than 757,000 illegal aliens have been released into this country, coupled with more than 600,000 gotaways who have evaded law enforcement altogether and reside now in the country. Now, the Biden administration is moving to end Title 42 a vital public health authority that has helped prevent the spread of COVID-19 in our communities. What's been the worst border crisis in our history is about to become a lot worse. Well, the numbers are are outrageous. So we're over a million apprehensions already in this uh, fiscal year. You've got anywhere from 300 to 600,000 known gotaways. And so you're looking to be on pace if this goes the way we think it's gonna go after they eliminate Title 42. Well, in excess of 3 million people will illegally enter the country this year. What Congress and the states can do to hold the administration accountable remains to be seen. But groups like Heritage are monitoring the situation along with networks like Real America's Voice. I'm Christopher Carter in Washington, D.C. Eighteen past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Catastrophic disaster at the border. That's what's coming. Um, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the border. I did a little research after seeing Lara Logan on with Steve Bannon. I got a couple clips of her and uh, what's going on there in the house down there in Texas. Talk about that. Um, but let's do some sports right now and hear with that. Of course, this is Slick Rick, Rick Amirati. Sports brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. 
We appreciate when you do that. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, lots to recap from the weekend, but let's get to the live scores right now. NBA action, East semifinals, game four down in Miami. Miami leading that series, two games to one. Knicks looking to pull even, make it a series. And right now the Heat are up 43-39 with about four and a half to go in the second quarter. So plenty of time there. Warriors and Lakers tip off at 10. Lakers looking to take a commanding 3-1 lead after winning over the weekend over the Golden State Warriors. That is game four in the uh, Crypto.com Arena down in downtown L.A. And the Golden Knights and Oilers up in Edmonton. 8.30 puck drop. West second round. NHL game three. Series tied 1-1. Somebody looking to go up on the edge, get the edge on that one. Major League Baseball in action right now. Tigers and Guardians. Tigers up 5-2. Bottom of the seventh. Rays lead the Orioles 1-0. Top seven. Top eight. Pirates 2-0 over the Rockies. Yankees lead the Athletics 2-0. Top of the six in the Bronx. Brewers and Dodgers no score. Bottom third. Bottom second. Cardinals over the Cubbies 1-0. White Sox lead the Royals 3-1. Top of the third. Astros and Angels. Marlins. Diamondbacks. Rangers. Marlins. And Nationals. Giants. All first pitches 9:38 to 9:45. We'll report on those a little bit later in the show. Uh, let's get to the rodeo this weekend. Big D. A couple of rodeos in action. We got the American Royal Rodeo. Started reporting on this on Friday, and uh, we went May 4th through the 6th, so through the weekend. All around cowboy Clay Clayman, 29:40 on steer wrestling and team roping. Bareback riding winner was Lane McGee, 88 points on Corco Rodeos. Dixie's Gravy, 22:22. Steer wrestling rally Duval, 4.1 seconds. Team roping, we had a tie. Dalton Turner, Clay Clayman, and JC Yeho and LJ Yeho, 4.2 seconds. All picked up $2,940 apiece. Saddle Bronc, Jake Finley, 88 and a half points on Corco Rodeos. Onion Ring, $2,222. Tie down roping, Ty Kirby, 8.6 seconds. Barrel Racing, Casey Mathis, 15.4 tenths. And Bull Riding, Cash Taze, 89 and a half points on Stace Pro Rodeos. Let's Gamble, $59.89. And uh, speaking of gambling, well, that was a big race over the weekend, Big D. The Kentucky Derby kicked off the 149th run for the roses then mage wins the 149th kentucky derby to cap tumultuous week this is breitbart news mage uh roared from off the pace to win the 149th kentucky derby on saturday launching u.s racing's triple crown campaign as two more horse deaths on saturday cast a poll on proceedings at churchill downs i don't know what's going on there trainer gustavo delgado must be relations to rick delgado. hey hey, hey. Hola. And, <laughs> and jockey javier hey. Castro. Castellano, both from Venezuela. You got friends in Venezuela, Rick? Yeah, Family? Okay. Uh, Javier Castellano's a great jockey. Yeah. Great jockey. One of the best. Each claimed the first uh, first Kentucky Derby win. Mage surging around the final turn and out-dueling two fills down the stretch. Two fills trained by Larry Ravelli and ridden by Jareth Loverberry. Uh, finished second and Angel of Empire, trained by Brad Cox and ridden by Flavian Pratt, uh, was third. Mage a 16-to-1 shot who had impressed in running second to Forte in the Florida Derby. I had Forte, who was a big favorite, uh, was among the beneficiaries when the race was thrown wide open Saturday morning as Favorite Forte became the fifth horse scratched from the one and a quarter mile event. Uh, now he's poised to challenge for the Triple Crown with the Preakness Stakes in Baltimore on May 20th to be followed by the Belmont Stakes in New York come June. Give me a couple of days at least Delgado left when asked if Mage would be pointed toward the coveted treble. Uh, Mage became the fourth horse to win the Derby off only three prior career starts. But Castellano denied in 15 Derby attempts, said he never doubted the lightly raced Colt could win. He did it really well today, Castellano said. He got a 
lot of the dirt in his face. Came from behind horses. He's a little horse, but with a big heart. The scintillating run capped a disturbing week at the iconic racetrack in Louisville, Kentucky, where seven horses, seven, died in the space of 10 days. That's Unbelievable. Uh, and that included two horses on Saturday's race program, uh, Lowy's uh, Dream and Freezing Point, that were euthanized after being taken from the course by horse ambulance um, after uh, breaking down in the races. Just unbelievable. It's just stunning what's going on there. I'm sure a lot more will come out, but they're moving from Kentucky, and it's uh, on to the Preakness Big D in a couple of weeks. And that's a wrap in sports. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick, very good. Uh, we'll do some more sports. Sports brought to you by Mike Lindell, of course, on MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B. We appreciate it. Let's do some news, and we'll do some more when we get back with Rick Delgado. News is brought to you by our friends at Early Treatment Meds. Early Treatment Meds, all one word, dot com. Uh, what's going on, Rick? Uh, well, I don't know if you heard about this today, but it was kind of a big deal. The Washington, uh, or I should say the White House press office, barred the New York Post from attending President Biden's only daytime public event earlier today as federal prosecutors near a decision on criminally charging his, his son, Hunter Biden, for tax fraud and other crimes. The Post, of course, is probably being paid back for that old laptop story a couple of years ago that has now been proven to be false. Uh, proven to be true. The Post has closely covered the president's ties to his relatives' foreign dealings and first reported, of course, in October of 2020 on the file from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop, which probably has something to do with it, which, of course, links Joe Biden to his ventures in China and Ukraine. Biden, who falsely characterized the Post reporting as Russian disinformation, appeared with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg to uh, talk about the airline policies in the White House adjacent to the Eisenhower Executive Office building. Biden ultimately took no shouted questions at the venue, which is basically what he does all the time, which houses a set of fake uh, houses, the set of the fake White House and about 50 theater style seats for reporters, about 20 of which were empty on Monday in the same room this past February, Biden chose to answer the post query about his family's links to China. And if it compromised his ability to steer U.S. policy policy, he fumed about the lack of polite reporters and, of course, stormed out the post. New York Post, that is, is the fifth largest uh, news website in readership in the U.S. and fourth uh, Overall, in the nation, in in Monday's email, however, the White House staff, we are unable to accommodate your credential request to attend the investing in airline accountability remarks. The remarks will be live streamed, and you can watch them on whwhitehouse.gov. Thank you for understanding, and uh, don't call us, we'll call you, <laughs> basically, is what they got. Yeah. Well, the Post, of course, has been um, on the forefront of reporting on with the great Miranda Devine there and others. Uh, Michael Goodwin writes great stuff over there as well. Uh, they've been on the forefront of the Hunter Biden laptop, of course. We all remember that. And other reporting, there's two great stories out of there today that I have in front of me to bring you. Uh, so they've, you know, we all know. Listen, the more the regime gets desperate, which they are right now, uh, it's going to be anything goes at any time against anybody. And, and that's, what, that's what we're in for for the next year and a half we get to november of 24 the more desperate they get the more dangerous they're going to get so all right more news we come back right after this
30 minutes past the hour live from Studio 6B. I told you at the opening of the show about Joe Biden's newest poll numbers from the Washington Post ABC News poll. Not good. Down to 36%. Little Georgie had some thoughts on that this weekend as they're uh, maybe getting a little nervous in the media. Here's little Georgie on that poll. Okay, once again, Damon, why don't you send the audio so they can hear it. Oh, yeah, yeah. President Biden pushing back on questions about his age from Stephanie Rule as he bids for re-election. It's just one of the big challenges he faces now, more revealed by our brand new poll. Political director Rick Klein here to break it down. And Rick, this poll is just brutal for President Biden. Absolutely, George. And you talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. Only 36% of Democrats think that their party should nominate Joe Biden for a second term. 58% say they would uh, support someone else or prefer someone else. That's despite the fact that the entire DNC and most of the Democratic establishment has rallied behind President Biden. And you're seeing real weaknesses in the coalition that powered Joe Biden to the presidency back in, in 2020. Biden carried independence by 13 points against Donald Trump. He is now trailing Trump by nine points among those same voters. He carried black voters by 75 points in 2020. Now he is up just 35. That may sound like a lot, but the fact of the matter is, in modern politics, that is not the kind of number that a Democrat needs to be victorious. And then, of course, that that does spill over into the head-to-head matchup, the hypothetical rematch, Trump versus Biden. Right now, a seven-point edge in our poll from uh, in Trump leading Biden. And and, and in fact, it's an identical number with Ron DeSantis in a head-to-head that might happen next November. That tells us at this very early stage, George, that this race is shaping up a lot more about the incumbent president, Joe Biden, than it is about any of his challengers. And Rick, as I mentioned with Senator Langford, President Trump, at least right now, appears to be strengthening his hold on the front runner on his front runner status for the Republican nomination. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And there was a lot of that this weekend. Um, addressing this poll and other polls and Biden's favorability and RFK Jr. polling where he's at. And the fact that Simone Sanders was out talking about how we're not going to engage in any debate. You know, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> we're not going to talk. It's, I mean, I, I guess they're going to stick to that. Yeah, don't let them talk. That, that's the strategy. It gets interesting, though, if they think that he's heading towards an absolute utter um, whooping in the general, which I guess when you cheat, you can never think that that's going to happen. They'll always have a backup plan. But it would be interesting to see if they change their minds on those debates would be the big hint that uh, they want Joe to go or they're trying to get rid of him. I guess that would never happen, I guess. I think they're going to get rid of him before that. You know, you, you had the announcement. Was it Comer said that today? I've got that in news a little bit later about saying they, they don't want any uh, DOJ announcements on charges. At least till Wednesday. At least until Wednesday. Um, I think they're going to look for a way to get him out. You watch. I, I don't think uh, Joe Biden will be long for this world in terms of sitting in that office. I think the Democrats are already looking. They're like, how can we get him out? Let's try to make this as because, again, it goes to the way they think. They think it's the policies. It, it, the person is the problem. We get rid of the person. They'll love these policies. It's not. Uh, but they figured, OK, he's weak enough now that all of this. We can't stop what's coming out. It's just coming out. You know, how is it going to look when he, you know, his son gets uh, charged and he pardons him? Oh, my goodness. What is that going to do? People are going to uh, people are going to wig out so they can't have him. 
I think I think they're gonna they're gonna use this. Um, they're gonna let a little bit more of it come out uh, about how he was involved and say, you know what, this is for the best for the best of the country, Joe, for the best of the party. Uh, we need you to step down, and I think that's what the, I think that's the route they're gonna go. And if he refuses, watch for the twenty fifth amendment. Trump said it. They were gonna use it against they were gonna use it against Biden, not him. So that's just a theory. Well, that's maybe the best theory you've had because that's that that's for sure. That for sure is reality and it's on the table. For sure. It should be. For many for multiple reasons, is violations of the federal constitution. Um, uh, besides the fact that he's illiterate and barely alive. Um, all right, so let's do some more news. News was brought to you by our friends at earlytreatmentmeds.com. Back to Rick Delgado. What's else, what else is going on? Right, since you, uh, you saw Mr. President Donald Trump featured in that polling, a New York State judge has decided to jump into the act and make sure that the former president uh, does not post any evidence on social media pertaining to any ongoing prosecution from the Manhattan DA. This is unbelievable. Bragg. This is coming from Just the News, yeah. Uh, Bragg is pursuing charges against... Uh, Trump in connection with the 2016 payment of his then attorney Michael Cohn made to Stormy Daniels. Trump has pleaded not guilty. Judge Juan Mershon on Monday issued the order that prevents Trump from posting any materials or information provided by the people to the defense in accordance with discovery obligations and asserts that said materials shall be used solely for the purpose of preparing a defense in this matter, Mershon further barred anyone with access to the evidence from giving the materials to third parties without the court's consent. Trump himself may only review some materials in the presence of his attorneys. And Bragg has previously sought an order from the judge pointing to Trump's history of attacking witnesses and investigators, which the DA said could compromise their safety. So you have that coming out of New York. So leaks, things said, news. Whatever they want to do out of there, fine. President gagged. Can't respond to anything, basically. Yeah. It's this is just when this is what I when I say when they get desperate, it's gonna get this is this is this is your first shot. Because this is crazy. That that's what dictator, uh, dictators do. They silence the opposition. They don't want you to say anything. They don't want and if you do, guess what? You'll end up in jail. Yep. Because that's the way they operate. Officials on Monday charged 34-year-old man George Alvarez with eight counts of manslaughter in connection to the crash that killed eight people outside of a migrant facility in Brownsville, Texas. Um, This also coming from Just the News. Uh, Police also said he was charged with 10 counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon after 10 people were injured in the incident. The crash occurred Sunday morning, and most of the victims were Venezuelan men. The victims were struck as they waited at an unmarked bus stop across the street from a migrant shelter known as Bishop Enrique San Pedro Azano. Oh, my God. Look at all these names. Uh, Center. The SUV ran a red light, hit the people sitting at the bus stop, according to the shelter director. I don't know if you saw the video. That video of this kind of pretty disturbing. The SUV flipped after running the curb and went about 200 feet down the road. The driver was also taken to the hospital and treated for injuries that occurred when the SUV rolled over. Brownsville police spokesperson Martin Sandoval said the cause of the crash is unclear, but police retrieved the blood sample to test for intoxicants. So just well, another so Texas, you had, you had that story, and then, of course, you had this horrendous shooting. And you had the horrendous shooting. It is pretty amazing how much we know, given the shooting we had at the Christian school in Nashville, which, where we still pretty much know nothing 
about the shooter. Man, do we know a lot about the shooter here? You notice that? How quickly? Well, do you really know about the shooter, or you just we we're just hearing? Oh, he was a neo-Nazi and he was a white supremacist. Oh, really? Because everything from I've seen these pictures, this guy was a gang member. He was a Mexican cartel gang member. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, I, and and I got to call out Fox News as well for this because they even pushed the fake "Hey, white supremacist" thing for the Mexican cartel member. I mean, come on already. We know you're bought and paid for, but don't be don't do it so blatantly obvious that everybody looking at the TV will it. I I just had to flip the TV at that point. I'm like, put something mindless on these people are these people are just flat out lying. All of the media, the mainstream media, they are bought and paid for. And I I've just kind of had it. It's just it's like I just wanted to get some news. What's going on with this with this uh, this this, uh, this this shooter? And this is what you hear in the description. First couple sentences, come on. It's a lie. But they continue to push the lie. Ugh. Ugh. Have you seen the numbers for, uh, have you seen the viewer numbers for Fox since oh. Tucker's gone? Oh, oh tell my love God. It. Tell me. Keep going. How and you know they? what I noticed, <laughs> yeah. too? Woo. I noticed this on a couple of, uh, I saw it a couple times on Bongino, and I saw it a couple other places. Um, Real America's Voice is been getting mentions they've been playing john solomon clips they've been uh uh yeah we've been getting some mentions so good on you good on yeah. you rav mm-hmm. um well i mean as far as i know the numbers on rav just continue to explode because this is this is the who was it was it you on friday who mentioned something about tucker and, and elon did someone mention that or someone in the chat mentioned it maybe and I had never thought about that combination. And when it was mentioned Friday, I was like, holy cow, think about that. Well, now there's been reports, and again, I no idea if they're true. Now they're reporting that maybe they actually have talked. I wouldn't doubt Can it. you imagine the media it. landscape? <laughs> and I, I know I mentioned Megyn Kelly last week. I know a lot of people didn't like her at Fox, but I, I happen to like what she's doing on, on this thing she's doing now. And she once again railed on Fox and the numbers and the fact that she's, you know, she's basically, uh, did Brett Favre come out and say something about Fox this weekend? She was with him saying, I support what he said, boycott Fox, don't watch, don't go back. They're, be they're banking on you coming back, she said, because right. like they've got the, um, they have the debate coming up in August. Now, President Trump, speaking of that, is going to be on Wednesday on CNN while we're on the air, 8 o'clock. So we'll be trying to cover that as much, bringing to you immediate feedback as we can of what, what he's being asked and what's going on as that's happening Wednesday night. <laughs> but anyway, she said they're, they're banking on you coming back in August thinking, no, they're not going to really leave us. Right. They'll be mad, but they'll get over it. They'll come back. That's what they always hope for. That's the same with these, these woke companies like the Bud Lights. They hope that, oh, you'll forget about it eventually. You come back because you love the product. No, they didn't love the product. No. Nobody loves the product. No. As a matter of fact, and, and it's funny, too, because when, when I mentioned that the other day about, you know what, I'm kind of not only am I not going to drink Bud Light, not that I ever really did, uh, but any Budweiser product, any any of their other offshoots, it's like, yeah, I'll pass. I'll go with uh, I'll go with some of the local stuff. I'll go with uh, you know places that have cool things on tap. Hey, what what is that called? Yeah, give me that instead. Uh, maybe some Long Island breweries. I know that that have some pretty good stuff. But eh, 
Yeah. You know what? Budweiser's not even an American company anymore. Do you know that? It's been bought by a Belgian company, InBev. What was it? Six, eight years ago, I think they did it. Yeah. Well, so the point being that she says, you know, they're just hoping you're going to come back because they got to debate another thing else. But back to where we started, can you imagine? Now, they're, they're going to try to keep Tucker sidelined as long as they can, obviously. Well, they have them under contract till January of 2025. Correct. They're not, and, and they may not let him go. And they, who, know, who knows? But uh, can you imagine the media landscape if he was to not end up back at a network and was to do something like, like that? Whether it's his own streaming, kind of like the Blaze Rav kind of thing, right. or he partnered with somebody like Elon Musk to come up with a free speech, um, who knows what that would look like platform. I mean, what would you ever watch? What would you ever watch any of these networks for? Yeah. Ever again? He could. He could. Uh, Musk could just launch Twitter TV with, uh, you know. <laughs> because Whatever. everybody streams everything. I'm sure that they could come up with an app where you can just stream it. I mean, there you go. That would be the media. All right, we'll do some more sports, and I got a couple things to get to. News, Crazy Town, Lara Logan with uh, Steve Bannon on what's going on at the border and what's going on in the Texas. We talk about these red states, these legislatures. It's hard to get stuff passed that you think would be a no brainer. Here's another example. We'll get to that when we get back. from Studio 6B. So I'm going through the news today, as I do every day, thinking about what I want to talk about on the show. And I come across the, uh, and I don't usually ever go to the Washington Post, uh, other than just to look at what's kind of above the fold, as we used to say when the old regular newspapers used to come out. What was above the fold was all the important stuff. And so I go to the Washington Post to see what the headlines are. And what do I see? And, and I'm, this is not my greatest call yet ever because it hasn't happened. But this could be tracking as my best call ever in the history of doing this show. And that is how long has it been since I said that Joe Biden was going to try to get the debt ceiling done by executive order? Two months? Yeah. Been a while. That's about right. Maybe a little longer. I go to the Washington Post today, and here's the headline I see. White House officials have now discussed invoking the 14th Amendment to dodge the debt limit, but they see it as potentially fraught, declaring the debt ceiling unconstitutional could be risky. Biden aids fear. Senior White House officials see enormous risks in trying to resolve the debt ceiling impasse Without Congress. Viewing the unilateral measures floated by some academics only as emergency measures of last resort, according to three people with knowledge of internal conversations. So if you needed any more proof that this is absolutely what they're going to try to do, this is what they're going to try to do. 
They're going to try to do an end around around Congress and run the Constitution. They're going to blame Republicans. They're going to blame you. They're going to say this. They're going to say that. It's going to be dire. The world's going to fall apart. And this has been the plan all along. This is why he has not talked to Kevin McCarthy. This is why this meeting tomorrow is going to be utter nonsense, I'm sure. Uh, It's going to be all the Republicans' fault. It's going to be all Republicans this, that, when they come out of it, that they're going to talk to, go to the microphones and talk. And here you have them basically saying out loud internal conversations they've been having already and probably have been for quite some time um, about ruling by executive fiat. He learned from the best in Obama. Um, He's taken it to a new level since day one, thinks he's ruling over a monarchy here. The representative republic we all thought we were living in. It was long gone a long time ago. And it looks like now they're going to try to do the same thing today. The cra- even in the crazy town today, you're going to see more government picking winners or losers. I am now requiring. I am now requiring. I sign this. I sign that. I'm telling you what to do. This is, this is the game plan. As they have for months, Biden aides have recently been evaluating a wide range of proposals for acting on the debt limit without the consent of Congress, particularly by invoking the 14th Amendment of the Constitution to declare the limit unconstitutional and keep borrowing to pay bills even if the cap isn't raised. But internally, advisors view the options as risky choices. And when has that ever stopped them? I'm just wondering when that's ever stopped them from doing anything. Especially when it comes to debt. Corinne Jean-Pierre today. Jean-Pierre. She's in the press briefing room today. And she has the nerve to say this. If you buy a car, you are expected to pay the monthly payments. If you buy a home, you are expected to pay the mortgage every month. That is the expectation. That is the spending that you put forth or spending that you may have done before, and now you're paying it every month. If you do not pay your car payment, if you do not pay your mortgage payment, then your credit is going to be bad. It's going to hurt your credit. So let's look at Congress for a second. Okay, let's just pause it there for a second. <laughs> Where's she going? This is the gang that can't shoot straight. This is the gang who just for months on end argued with us that people who took out student loans, college loans, mm-hmm. are not expected to make the payments. We're expected to make the payments. Yeah, and she's talking about affecting your credit. You know, that credit that they're going to use to turn against you, so you have to pay more for a mortgage, even though you might have good credit for the people that don't have a good credit. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Good idea. Yeah. Good idea, Jean-Pierre. If you buy a car, you're expected to make the payments. If you buy a house, you're expected to make the payments. I can't. Did, did she go to college to figure this out? This is amazing stuff. I never this knew is this. the this is the check your common sense <laughs> at the door when dealing with the left. They've just argued for months how people who took out student loans are not expected to make the payments, but yet now because it fits what they're trying to do here, they have to argue it somehow. Because just saying, oh, Republicans are bad. Well, Republicans passed a debt limit increase, by the way, in the House. 
They won't even acknowledge it. So the tack today to make the Republicans look bad is to say that, like, you know, basic economics. I mean, you borrowed it. You got to pay it back. Duh. Well, that wasn't their that wasn't their case when we that's not their case on student debt. And by the way, that's also not their case uh, when it comes to borrowers that are in the public's public service, as we find out today on CNBC headline. The Biden administration has forgiven $42 billion in student loan debt for borrowers in public service. So that's not their position. But it's their position now, you see. It's their position now when it comes to, it's just like the 14th Amendment. They'll burn the Constitution at every turn they can. It stands in their way of their ultimate power. But here they are. Wrapping themselves in the 14th. Oh my God, for the sake of the 14th amendment, we have to look at this for the sake of our constitution. We have to look at this every other second. They're trying to um, get rid of it. Tell us it's a living document. It changes. It was written in time that uh, not for this time, you know, all the excuses. White house aides do not take the proposals completely off the table though. If the federal government actually can't borrow more, the United States could be an uncharted territory. Yeah, the uncharted territory would mean actually like uh, budgeting the money that's coming in, which is around $400 billion a month, servicing the debt, servicing um, Social Security, servicing the military, and then whatever's left actually prioritizing what they're going to spend on. That would be uncharted territory with no clear way to avoid calamity, which would make extreme measures more appealing. And that's going to be the playbook. That's going to be the playbook. Not the reality of the situation, which we've discussed here umpteen times, as I just gave you the mini version again. There's plenty of money coming in to make the bond payment, service to debt, service Social Security, service to military. We're not going to default on any of that, ever. The idea that you're not going to make the bond payment is a red herring. But they will frame it as such that is utter calamity for the country. And so extreme measures. So Biden, he's the more virtuous one he'll come out looking like, or at least they'll try to frame it that way. He's doing this for you. Again, it's for you. It's for a better tomorrow. Administration officials are adamant that Congress must act to raise the debt limit, believing this is the only way, sure way to avoid financial turmoil. And again, uh, the House has done, the House at least has a proposal to do that, basically saying that the rate of increase of what you're going to borrow is going to um, not continue to go up the way it is. That's not good enough. Biden wants clean debt limit, spending pedal to the metal, the hell with inflation, the hell with uh, family credit card debt, the hell with family savings going down, credit card debt going up, the hell with uh, your kids, your grandkids, and and $32 trillion in fiscal operating debt. 200 trillion in unfunded liabilities. Forget all of that. I want a clean debt ceiling so that we can spend on every green utopia, save the planet, uh, degrowth thing we can. All right, hour two coming up live from Studio 6B right after this.
All right, live from Studio 6B, hour two. Man, already hour two on a Monday, getting a week started, Real America's Voice. Glad you're a part of the show. As always, Slick Rick's going to do some sports right here. Uh, Rick Delgado's got some more news. Aaron and Fran holding it down. As always, we'll get back to uh, the debt ceiling and what the White House is clearly scheming up, as I've been telling you now for the better part of uh, seemingly about two months, that this is the right route they were going to go. Uh, we'll get into some other news as well. We've got a crazy, quick crazy town coming up, but uh, it was weird trying to put crazy town together because it wasn't like he was normally bumbling and fumbling. He just was like almost falling asleep. Like, like <laughs> I never saw his eyeballs the whole speech. He squinted the entire, entire thing. It looked like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> the entire thing, his eyes were almost closed. And I just, it was just, uh, it's just, not, he's not well. He's not well. He hasn't been well for a long time. No, but I mean, today was, I mean, you should just watch the whole, I don't know if you'll get a sense of it from the two minutes I cut up, but uh, I mean, just is not, he's not well. Well, I told you, they're going to, they started dialing back his meds. So it starts to happen more and more. It gives him an excuse. Hey, we we can get him to leave because look, look at how bad he is. That's just another theory. I don't know. Uh, all right, let's do some sports since we didn't do any last segment because I was rambling on about the uh, debt ceiling, and I'm going to ramble on some more about it because um, this is what they're going to try to do. Uh, and this meeting tomorrow is going to be useless. I, I would suspect. I hope I'm wrong, but I would say we're going to get nothing out of it. Nothing. So uh, sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell. Lots of you sending in your um, support for Mike Lindell, picking out great free merch. If you buy anything from LFS6, if you buy anything from – Mike Lindell, and use our code LFS6B, send me the receipt that they email you. I got to have the emailed receipt. I can't take any pictures anymore. We're way too backed up because we're trying to retype pictures that the people are sending. If you send pictures, ah, it's just not going to go out. Much more. You got to send me the emailed receipt. Just forward it that has all your information. Pick something out from our store, 6bmerch.com. Let me know what you want, and we'll send it to you for free for supporting Mike Lindell. So... Email me the receipt you get from Mike when you place your order and then pick something out from us and we'll get it out to you here in a couple weeks and you'll have it. I'm getting lots of pictures from people who love their stuff. We appreciate you sending that. We appreciate your support of Mike Lindell using our code LFS6B. Uh, keep sending them on in. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, let's get to the scoreboard. NBA playoffs, game four down in Miami. Midway through the third, the Knicks continue to trail Miami by about nine. It's been fluctuating back and forth, eight to ten points. Right now it's 67-58 at last check, Big D. And game three, NHL, West uh, West, West, West second round. Uh, Golden Knights and Oilers tied at one midway through the first. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. A lot of folks like the Vegas Knights. And, uh, well, the Oilers are a good team, too. So that series right now tied at one. Somebody's looking to go up there. And let's get another rodeo in. We got the Gaiman Pioneer Days Rodeo in Gaiman, Oklahoma. And uh, we let's go. All-around cowboy was Coleman Proctor. $6,068 for team roping and steer wrestling. Bareback, Dean Thompson. 92 and a half points on Frontier Rodeos. Gunfire, 35-76 there. Steer wrestling. We had the third round. Mason Couch, 3.9 seconds, 25-28. Team roping, Paul David Tierney and Tanner Braden. 6.6 seconds. Saddle Bronc, Tanner Butner, 90 points on Frontier Rodeos. Lonesome Eyes, 
$3,800. Tyler Open, third, down, third round. Molly Berger, 7.4 seconds. Barrel Racing. We have uh, Tacey Matthews, 16.95 tenths. That's a new name. Been seeing her name pop up here and there. She's a good one. Uh, Steer Roping, fourth round. Cody Dosha, 9.2 seconds, $1,715. Bull Riding. Junior Souza, 88 points on Frontier Rodeos. County Jail, 43.96. Total payout, good one, $330,422 down in Oklahoma. Get to a couple of quick stories from the weekend. Well, Denny Hamlin nips Kyle Larson late for Cup Series win at Kansas. This was posted on uh, Field Level Media earlier today. Denny Hamlin stormed around Kansas Speedway in his Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota clip leader Kyle Larson on the last lap and won Sunday's Advent Health 400 NASCAR Cup Series race in Kansas City, Kansas. I mean, these are like MMA fights, these races lately. It's been crazy. On the hottest race day of the season, 89 degrees, Larson tried to close out his third win of the year, but he couldn't hold off Hamlin's charge in the number 11 Camry over the last five laps. After running third over the much of the final 50 laps, Hamlin caught Larson while turn two after taking the white flag and tapped the number five Chevrolet on the back stretch. Uh, that turn caught Larson's Camaro into the wall. Hamlin then roared away to his first win since Charlotte's 1,600 mile or less Memorial Day weekend and the fourth time of his career at Kansas. He likes going to Kansas, that's for sure. The victory was the 49th of the 42-year-old Hamlin's career. Pole sitter William Byron finished third, followed by Bubba Wallace and Ross Chastain in a race that featured the most lead changes in a 400-miler in NASCAR history. So, history being made every weekend over there. And Wyndham Clark earns first PGA uh, Tour win at Wells Fargo Championship, AP Report, Charlotte, North Carolina. Wyndham Clark tried to pull his hat over his eyes with both hands as he struggled to hold back tears on the 18th green at Quail Hollow Club after winning his first PGA Tour event the Wells Fargo Championship, the long agonizing wait that included days on tour when he wanted to break some clubs. We know that how it feels. We're over. It was time to celebrate. I'm a little bit choked up, Clark said on the green. It's been a long five years to get to this point. I thought I have, would have won one earlier, but it is well worth the wait. Clark shot 68 on Sunday for a four-shot victory over Xander Schauffele. He finished the tournament at 19 under 265. Good score. Second lowest score in relation to par in tournament history, behind only three times champion Rory McIlroy's 21 under 267 in 2015 when par for the course was 79. Chaffele had accuracy issues with his driver uh, Sunday and shot 70 to finish at 15 under. Terrell Hatton and Harry English finished tied for third at 12 under. One shot better than Tommy Fleetwood and Adam Scott. Defending champion Max Homer shot 70 on Sunday and tied for ninth at 9 under 275. Big D, that's a wrap in sports. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick, very good. We'll do some more sports later on in the show. Let's do a little more news and hear what the news is. Rick Delgado, what's going on, pal? All right, well, bombshell news coming out of uh, PJ Media. This one, uh, and and it was something that we talked about a little bit earlier. James Comer announcing uh, he's a representative, or I should say the Republican out of Kentucky, the chair of the House Oversight Committee. He's saying do not indict Hunter Biden before Wednesday. I believe he said this. He was on Maria Bartiromo this weekend on Sunday Morning Futures. Uh, Comer is preparing to drop a major bombshell about Joe Biden. In fact, he's so convinced that this evidence is consequential that he's also spoken to the Department of Justice, advising him not to indict Hunter Biden until the committee's forthcoming announcement. Now, I can't understand why he would even give them a hint 
as to, hey, we're going to do something. You, you, we don't want you to do Why would they listen to him? Who knows? According to Comer, committee members have been meticulously studying bank records and consulting with former associates and whistleblowers, and this bombshell evidence will be released on Wednesday. My message to DOJ is very loud and clear. Do not indict Hunter Biden before Wednesday, he told Maria Bartiromo. When you have the opportunity to see the evidence that the House Oversight Committee will produce with respect to the web of LLCs, with respect to the number of adversarial countries that this family's influence peddled in, and this is not just about the president's son. This is about the entire Biden family. We've been we've been talking about that as well, including the president of the United States. We believe there are a whole lot of tips that the IRS and DOJ don't know about because we don't believe they've done a whole lot of digging in this as we have. By all accounts, from the media reports that we're getting, what they're looking at charging Hunter Biden with is a slap on the wrist. It's a drop in the bucket. So Wednesday will be a very big day for the American people in getting the facts presented to them so they can know the truth and then the Department of Justice can finally do what they should have done years ago. And that's uh, that's his statement from Maria Bartiromo show on well, here he yesterday is. morning. Here he is on with Maria. Um, oh, well, why didn't you tell me I didn't have to read his thing? Here he is. <laughs> My message to the Department of Justice is very loud and clear. Do not indict Hunter Biden before Wednesday when you have the opportunity to see the Evidence that the House Oversight Committee will produce with respect to the web of LLCs, with respect to the number of adversarial countries that this family influence peddled in. This is not just about the president's son. This is about the entire Biden family, including the president of the United States. So we believe there are a whole lot of accounts that the IRS and the DOJ don't know about because we don't believe they've done a whole lot of digging in this. And we have. Uh, we've spent the past hundred days pouring over bank documents. I've used subpoena power to get these bank documents. We've been meeting with uh, former associates of the Bidens in their different influence peddling schemes. We've been meeting with whistleblowers. We know exactly uh, what this family was doing. And by all accounts from the, the media reports that we're getting, what they're looking at charging Hunter Biden on is a, is a slap on the wrist. It's a drop in the bucket. So Wednesday will be a very big day uh, for the American people in getting the facts presented to them so that they can know the truth. And then the Department of Justice can finally do what they should have done years ago. What? Well... Obviously, the president's sons committed many crimes, many crimes. I mean, you're, you're looking at potential money laundering. Jonathan Turley comes on Fox all the time and talks about uh, he was essentially a foreign agent for countries like China. Uh, he's an unregistered foreign agent. They, you know, those are serious crimes. You've got the possible racketeering. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And again, Maria, it's not just the president's son. And we don't believe these countries were paying the Biden family for nothing. We believe yeah. they were getting a return on their investment. And the return on the investment would have been policy decisions for then Vice President Joe Biden and current President Joe Biden. There you go. And as um, Cash Patel said at some point today, Comer can either become Adam Schiff or he can become Devin Nunes. And that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the choice. Yeah, 
Well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, we'll see what he's talking about because that's a pretty big statement to make um, regarding this whole thing. That and you know they've they've talked about all all the uh, all the evidence that they've seen. <laughs> and you you make reference to the uh, to uh, what's his name? Actually, here watermelon he is. head. Here's a uh, shift. Yeah, yeah. Here's uh, here's cash right here with Steve. Uh, this is what he said. Of course, the Washington Post behind Trump's musical tribute. Cash has got us in more trouble. Cash. <laughs> of course what's I the, did. What's the Washington Post <laughs> telling us? A magnificent song, Pledge of Allegiance, the uh, Star Spangled Banner, all of it from the J6 Choir. Why is the Washington Post not happy that it's not, Why are they not pleased it's the number one song in the country? Because it's Jan 6. But listen, on Wednesday, I will come back. Comer can either become Adam Schiff or Devin Nunes. He can hold blank envelopes up or he can put out the information. We'll talk about it on Wednesday. So, yeah, the Washington Post. That's keep- a- there you go. <laughs> That's from Cash. Well, you know what? And we've heard this uh, We've heard this mentioned before, what he said there about being an unregistered foreign agent, including the vice president being an unregistered um, foreign agent at the time, and now he's president. So that could be a major, major, major problem. Hopefully they pursue it. Hopefully they expose it. Well, hopefully there's some meat on the bones. That's what we always say when it comes to the Republicans. So. All right, live from Studio 6B, we'll get to some news. Crazy Town, all coming up right after this. the blues to get the week started. President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago residence. And more and more each day we say this uh, could be coming true. And that, of course, is that our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. There are three reasons why central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt, standing now at $32 trillion. The fact is, there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, political and economic upheaval, dating back to biblical times, and that, of course, is gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of our friends from Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part is you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just text America to 989898 and get your free information kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. Think about this, when currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Well, protect yourself with gold, with Birch Gold. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers. An A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, uh, lots of reviews. They get the job done, Birch Gold. 
Text America to 989898 and get your free information kit. Get all the information. See what your options are. Again, text America. Send it to 989898 and do it today. All right, 18 past the hour live from Studio 6B. So the New York Post today, just to further some of this James Comer discussion, the video he had was with Maria Bartiromo. We get this from the New York Post today. Headline, Joe Biden bribery allegations were brought to the DOJ in 2018, two years before similar claims by this current whistleblower. Explosive bribery allegations involving Joe Biden and foreign nationals were brought to the Department of Justice as early as 2018. Now, just uh, who was at the Department of Justice in 18? Uh, that would be uh, one. Uh, oh, what's his name? Big guy. Big <clears throat> guy. Uh, rhymes with far. Um, Two years before similar allegations against the president were made by the whistleblower now talking to the House Oversight Committee. Bud Cummins, a former federal prosecutor, first reported the bribery allegations to then New York U.S. Attorney Jeff Berman on October 4th, 2018, in an email claiming he had evidence that Joe Biden had, quote, exercised influence to protect, end quote, his son's Ukrainian employer in exchange for payments to Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and Joe Biden. In the email obtained by John Solomon's Just the News, Cummins said that Ukraine's then prosecutor, General Yuri Lutsenko, and of course, that's the famous Biden video where he sits up there and talks about if you don't get the guy's not fired, you're not getting the, the billion dollars. And you know, oh, well, son of a bitch was fired. What do you know? That's that video. Um, Lysenko wanted to travel to the United States to meet Berman and could produce two John Doe witnesses to corroborate his claims about the Bidens. But Berman never responded to the email. Instead, in a move Cummins says seemed like retaliation on December 9th, 2019, in the middle of the impeachment proceedings against President Donald Trump, federal prosecutors secretly obtained data from Cummins' iPhone with a grand jury subpoena to Apple. I can't really imagine a legitimate reason for the DOJ not to follow up on an offer like that. I felt it was stonewalled said cummins formerly arkansas's chief federal prosecutor under president george w bush it doesn't make much sense to investigate the guy who brings you the allegation rather than the allegation itself he said when he received a notice from apple last october telling him that his data had been accessed three years earlier he said he found it perverse that you report an allegation of a pretty serious crime and they don't investigate that but instead we're investigating you cummins report was just one of a number of red flags raised with the doj between 16 and 20 about the biden family influence peddling scheme so 2016 to 2020 was one administration and the Department of Justice under that administration, when you want to talk about a definition of the swamp in the deep state, 
Here's how deep it was. Because 2016 to 2020 was all under one president, and you know who it was. And yet these things went to that Department of Justice supposedly under his watch, and this is how it was treated. This is how it was. See, when Democrats win, it's the Dem- Democrats rule the roost of every place. When Republicans win the pre- win the presidency, the Democrats rule still the roost. Right. Except they, for the one seat. They get undermined because they don't clean house. The FBI has had Hunter Biden's laptop in its possession since 19, and Hunter's former business partner, Tony, Tony Bobolinsky, handed over the contents of its three devices and provided evidence of then-candidate Biden's involvement in his son's overseas business dealings during a five-hour interview with the FBI days before the 2020 election. So, now this guy was on with Solomon, I believe, um, tonight. Here's what he had to say. Joining us right now to tell us exactly what happened in the fall of 2018 is former U.S. Attorney Bud Cummins. Bud, great to have you back on the show. Thank you, John. Good to see you. Yeah, you as well. I know you've kept pretty much quiet about this and you wanted to let the system take its course. But when you I looked at your emails, I looked at the time. I mean, you seem to approach with witnesses, John Doe's, uh, a Ukrainian attorney general who could come here and maybe lay out the evidence. Were you surprised when the Justice Department simply didn't call you back? Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, you said credible evidence. I don't know that the evidence was credible. I like to think I'm credible. And uh, it's their job to determine if the evidence is credible. But, but the allegations were very serious. Obstruction of justice, maybe bribery, maybe treason. So, I, I, yeah, I was probably astounded that they were not curious to hear what these people, what actual evidence these people were offering to bring to them. Yeah. There you go. That's insane. Is but that, not surprising. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah. Crazy. Bill Barr. There you go. Oh, yeah. Barring any information about Joe Biden getting out there. That's what his job was. Now, now we find out what Bill Barr's job was. Yep. Uh, you, want, you want a little more to that or are you don't? Yeah. All right. As Hunter Biden faces potential criminal indictment this week, his former best friend, Devin Archer, will make his last bid to avoid jail on Tuesday when his appeal is heard in a courtroom in lower Manhattan. As he grows increasingly despondent, friends with knowledge of Hunter's thinking uh, of Hunter's thinking are telling Archer to accept that the Bidens have thrown him under the bus and that a last-minute presidential pardon has been ruled out. They have urged him to save himself by using the only currency he has left, the knowledge of the Biden family, Biden family influence peddling scheme for which he had a front row seat for four years during Joe Biden's vice presidency. So we'll see what happens. This, this story just breaking, uh, coming out of the, uh, the New York Post. So we could have somebody else all of a sudden start uh, gushing information about the Biden family and what they've been up to. We'll do some more sports and news. Crazy Town all coming up on a Monday night.
As the Supreme Court is hearing cases in its current term, what's lingering in the background is what happened with the Supreme Court leak one year ago. Many Americans are asking, will the leaker ever be found? Will they find this person and what are they hiding? Because it was a good leak. How about you? Me too. I think so. The same. And it was really good leak. Otherwise, abortion law will be screwed. But the law hasn't changed, and they're worried about the precedence this sets within the court. Uh, I didn't think about that. I think about the outcome. Me too. Do you ever think they're going to find the Supreme Court leaker? They know who it is. How come they haven't come forward? Exactly. They're not going to come forward with it. I think there are too many skeletons buried, and they do not want to have those things released. Make too many people look bad. Absolutely not. Why not? Because some things don't come out right away, right? Some things are always put away, locked up. Who knows? But not, not in any time soon. I definitely agree. Um, it definitely takes a lot of manpower to find uh, the leakers. Um, but yeah, let's see what let's see what time does. So you can hear it there from everyday Americans. They don't have a lot of confidence in this Supreme Court to actually find out who the historic leaker was. What can the government really do? How effective are they at anything? I'm Christopher Carter in Washington, D.C. All right, 31 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad you're part of the show. As always, Slick Rick's been doing sports. Rick Delgado's been doing the news. Aaron and Fran holding it down. As always, uh, let's do a little more sports right now. And here with that, sponsored by our friend Mike Lindell, of course, and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. And if you do support Mike Lindell and you want to send us your receipt, we'll give you a free T-shirt from our store, 6bmerch.com. T-shirt, sweatshirt, hat, whatever you want. Pick something out, 6bmerch.com. Forward us your receipt that you get from Mike Lindell, and we'll send you something free in the mail just for uh, supporting Mike. So, Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, let's get to the scoreboard. Big D, one more quick update. The uh, East Semifinals Game 4 down in Miami. The Heat continue to lead 93-84. That game's been running about 8-10 point difference between those two teams. Miami looking to take a commanding 3-1 lead in the NBA. A 3-1 lead in the series is pretty pretty much uh, done. 8.49 to go in the fourth there. Warriors and Lakers tip off at 10 in downtown LA. That's also a game four with the Lakers leading that series 2-1. to one. Golden Knights can continue to lead the Oilers 2-1 to one at the end of one. Good one there. Game three, series tied. They're up in Edmonton. Um, and the, uh, let's see, get to the baseball scores. Yankees right now laying it on the Oakland Athletics, soon to be Vegas Athletics, right? 7-2, to two, bottom of the fourth. Uh, Brewers over the Dodgers, 6-1, bottom seven. Bottom six, Cardinals 2-1 over the Cubbies. Royals 7-4 over the White Sox, that's also a bottom of the six. Just went final. The Tigers defeated the Guardians in Cleveland, 6-2. Tampa Bay continues their winning ways over the Orioles, 3-zip. And the Pirates defeated the Rockies. Pirates having a decent year as well. Rest of the games, Astros at Angels, Marlins at Diamondbacks, Rangers at Mariners, and Nationals at the Giants out in San Francisco. First pitch coming up within the next 20 minutes. Um, Just wrapping up the weekend as far as sports go, uh, Sterling conquers Cejudo, exchanges 
post-fight words with O'Malley, Mark Ramonde, ESPN, MMA Action, Newark, New Jersey, Damon's favorite place. Uh, <laughs> Aljamain Sterling won his title fight and then another almost broke out in the octagon. Sterling defeated Henry Cejudo via split decision 47-48, 48-47, and 48-47 in the main event of UFC 288 on Saturday night at the Prudential Center, otherwise known as The Rock. With the uh, close win, Sterling retained his UFC bantamweight title. After the bout, UFC brought Sterling's next challenge of the popular Sean O'Malley into the octagon. Sterling and O'Malley started jawing at each other on the microphone, which was being held by interviewer Joe Rogan. And, of course, they exchanged pleasantries naturally. Uh, Cejudo, who was fighting for the first time in three years after retiring pre- previously, said in his post interview that could be his final bout. And to the tennis world... Uh, Arena Sabalenka beats Iga Svitek to reclaim Madrid Open title. AP report Madrid in another meeting at, of the top two players in the world. Arena Sabalenka finally got the better of Iga Svitek on clay. Second round, uh, second rank Sabalenka beat top rank Svitek 6-3 to reclaim the Madrid Open title on Saturday. And Carlos Alcaraz repeats at Madrid comes closer to number one ranking. Also AP Madrid. Carlos Alcaraz is paving the way back to the top of the world rankings. After a second straight Madrid Open title, Alcaraz beat lucky loser uh, Jan Leonard Struff 6-4-3-6-6-3 in the Spanish capital on Sunday to guarantee his return to the number one spot by playing at least one match at the upcoming Italian Open in Rome. It was Alcaraz's 29th win of the season and 21st straight in Spain, going back to a loss to Rafael Nadal, Madrid on his 18th birthday two years ago. And uh, that's a wrap in sports. Big D, I have a little story I'll get to in the last segment uh, about Brefov. You know, very upset about, um, you know, what's going on with Fox News and obviously with Tucker Carlson. So he's backing Tucker, Brett Favre says. Brett Favre's got his own problems, but we're going to see he's backing Tucker. That's a wrap. All right, Slick Rick, very good. Um, We'll do some more sports before we wrap it up for a Monday night. But right now, let's do a little more news. And here with the news is Rick Delgado. News is brought to you by our friends at Early Treatment Meds, earlytreatmentmeds.com, all one word. Use our code LFS6P, 50% off whatever you put in your cart, earlytreatmentmeds.com. Rick Delgado, what's going on? All right. Well, uh, from one grifter, the Bidens, to another, Chelsea Clinton is working alongside organizations like You can't make it up. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the WHO, and UNICEF, and what she hopes will become the largest childhood immunization effort ever. If you don't grab your kids and run in the the other direction, when you see this lunatic coming, then that's on you. The former first daughter serves as vice chair of the Clinton Health Access Initiative acronym CHI, a global health organization that aims to save lives and reduce disease burden in low- and middle-income countries. We've seen this. We've seen this movie before. We know how it's going to end. Since the pandemic began, millions of children around the globe have missed some or all of their essential vaccines. So what's the choice? Well, that's why CHI and like-minded organizations will be working with the WHO to bridge the gap in an effort dubbed the Big Catch-Up. Ugh. Clinton said Tuesday at Fortune's Brainstorm Health Conference in Marina del Rey, California, no one should die of polio, measles, pneumonia, including in this country, where we also need people to vaccinate their kids. And uh, you could just see where this is going. If you see anything with uh, Bill and Melinda Gates and Chelsea Clinton and, and people like that, and they want to vaccinate you, run the other direction. Don't trust what's in the needle. Here's all you can hear from the horse's mouth. Oh, great. Speaking of horse. 
<laughs> I do think, though, you know, when you ask about the role of public-private partnerships kind of oh, uh, after the last few years, I think we spend so much time, understandably, uh, focused on the mRNA vaccines and technologies. I spend a lot of time thinking about um, the really uh, unfortunate, to try to use a not uh, too judgmental word. No, you didn't. You um, don't spend time. Kind of rise about in else. not only kind of vaccine hesitancy and questioning, but outright kind of um, rejection of vaccines and of kind of science and the scientific kind of process, and also too often on our scientists, our epidemiologists, our frontline healthcare workers. And so I do think um, we need to have a much more robust conversation um, and sense of oh, urgency. Uh, because I think we are less prepared today than we were arguably. Um, in January of 2020, partly because of the kind of um, lack of, of trust and confidence in, uh, in not only our scientists. Yeah, she yeah. reminds me too Thank much you. of her mother to even yeah. continue that now. Uh, she's taking on all of the characteristics. I, I wish the speaking, was a, the dialogue, the hands, the yes. everything, the lying. Bl <laughs> blow a button you had for that. Yeah. She needed it. Uh, uh, by the way, good luck. Yeah. I mean, good luck. That's all I would say to her. Good luck with that campaign with the American, with people now after the last two years. Good luck with that. Yeah. You uh, could try to blame it on whoever, you, whatever you want to blame it on. But uh, you should blame it on people like your parents and Dr. Fauci and everybody else. That's in, and your friends over at the Gates Foundation and everybody else. Because everyone's on to the grift now and everyone's on to the nonsense. And by the way, there's a lot of parents who believe in, um, in getting their kids vaccinated with the MMRs and things that all of us got as kids. They want to do it on their schedule. They want to do it the way they want to do it. They don't want to be told what to do from you or your parents or anyone else. If they want to do it, then they can do it. And if they don't and they have a doctor that they want to talk to that says, no, you don't have to shoot your kid up with 47 shots in the first two years. You could do six or seven or whatever, whatever schedule fits them. It should be their decision to do it or not to do it. We don't need people like you telling us what to do. That's what people can't stand. It's people like you who have no background in any of this. You have no scientific background, no epidemiologist background, nothing. So you're the last person any of us need to hear from about any of this. How about shut up and go away? All of you. All right. Sorry, Rick. I That's just... all right. Hey, you want some you more? Jump in anytime. <laughs> some vaccine-related stuff. Guess what? The NIH is restarting bad virus grants suspended three years ago by President Trump. Believe it or not, three years after uh, President Trump pressured the NIH to suspend research, a uh, research grant to a U.S. group studying bat coronaviruses with partners in China, the agency has miraculously restarted the award. Yes, a brand new four-year grant is stripped down version of the original grant to EcoHealth Alliance. Do you remember that name? Yeah, they're part of it. Uh, nonprofit research, blah, 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 providing $576,000 a year. Um, if this doesn't make you want to jump out of a building, I don't know what does. EcoHealth's embattled director, Peter Dajak, remember him, he's one of Fauci's buddies who is getting paid off, is also, of course, involved. The uh, four-year grant, like I mentioned, is providing uh, the money that I mentioned, the coronavirus that sparked the global outbreak uh, and included a sub-award to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The new award omits those studies and also imposes extensive new accounting rules on EcoHealth. 
But, you know, they'll get around it. They'll just say, oh, we did this. And they'll rename it, you know, how they rename things. And uh, that'll be, uh, then we'll see the next, uh, we'll see the next pandemic come down that they're going to release. All right, we'll do some more news here before we wrap up the show. I want to go back to um, March 10th of 2023 of this year. And an article entitled, House Unveils, this is the Texas Legislature. House unveils bill giving state authority to repeal and repel and return migrants crossing from Mexico. House Bill 20 by State Representative Matt Schaefer, uh, Republican out of Tyler, Texas, would test the boundaries of the state's ability to enforce immigration law, which courts have historically ruled falls under the federal purview. And of course, falling under the federal purview in the last two and a half years, has been basically doing nothing but inviting um, this disaster that we now have at the border. And the numbers are just striking, striking. And the video of what's going on right now in preparation for the lifting and the ending of Title 42 is almost incomprehensible when you see the video and the numbers that are gathering. Uh, And of course, as we've talked about, Florida and Texas, These governors, short of them taking things into their own hand, uh, they're going to get nothing from the federal government in Mayorkas. We know that. So to go back to March in this HB 20 bill out of the Texas legislature was um, the beginnings of what could have been just that, them taking control and putting it into their own hands. What happened to this bill? I'll tell you when we get back. to the hour live from studio 6b lots to get to here in the last segment let's start with crazy town aaron we want to get to that of course biden today out there talking about well the airline industry and once again making sure they know that he's in charge and he's going to tell them what they're going to do roll that Good start. Let's get off to a good start here, Joe. And now it is my great honor oh, to yeah. introduce the President of the United States, oh, President Buttigieg. Joe Biden. Okay, here Thank we go. Thank you, Secretary Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> he called him Booty Juice. He called him Booty Juice. As we approach Memorial Day this weekend, uh, and this weekend? Memorial Day weekend, I'm rushing it. As I said, baggage fees are, fees are bad enough without you knowing the cost. Airlines can't just treat a child like a piece of baggage. Free family seating. Beyond, not in other words, no cost beyond the cost of the original cost of the ticket, and that's good. That's a piece that gives you peace of mind. That's progress. We just launched a new website, flightsright.gov. Flightsright.gov. Like rebooking a flight or accommodating your hotel room or and your meals. 
and the airline could have prevented that from you deserve more than just being <laughs> oh my goodness the price of your ticket you deserve to be fully compensated don't you Later this year, my administration will propose a historic new rule that will make it mandatory, not voluntary, but mandatory for all U.S. airlines to compensate you with meals, hotels, taxis, ride shares, or re- and rebooking food. Cocktails. And cash, miles, and or travel vouchers whenever they're the ones to blame for the cancellation or delay. Good. I appreciate Secretary Buttigieg's leadership on this issue. I know these things may not matter to the very wealthy, but they matter most to middle-class families and people struggling to get the cost of, in the first place to get in that airline. And, uh, and so, look, I signed a groundbreaking executive order on competition that is helping us do everything from lowering the cost of hearing aids to banning non-compete clauses. Good for him. I continue to call on Congress to pass the Junk Free Prevention Act. We're making progress, huh? junk, we have more to do to, to reverse decades of concentrated corporate power and the continuing to lower prices and increasing opportunities for families, workers, and small Good business advice. owners and entrepreneurs. The whole so let's finish the job. Remember who we are, as I've said many times, we're the United States of America. There's nothing we get out. Capacity when we do it together. This is just about being fair. It's about being fair. Don't you? God bless you all. May God protect our troops. Thank you. That's inspiring. That's brutal. That makes me just want to just brutal. Jump on a plane. See what I mean? The whole speech. It's like, man, it's like he's indoors too. With a <laughs> with a prompter, I'm sure the size of uh, nine big screen TVs. He never opened his eyes. The whole speech. That's crazy. Is sharp as a butter knife, boy. Oh boy. Um. I don't know. Just brutal. It's just so brutal. But you're right. 35 too high. Yeah, yeah. 35 too high. Exactly. Way too high. Um, so getting <laughs> back to Texas um, HB 20. Texas House Speaker Dade Felon, Phelan threw his support behind a striking, this is back in March, striking border security bill that would create a state unit of officers empowered to repel and arrest migrants crossing the border outside a port of entry and return them to Mexico if they were seen trying to illegally cross the border. Well, it sounds good. Sounds like the Texas governor taking things into his own hand, the legislature taking things into their own hand. In Texas, you would think, no problem getting this passed. Cut one. Laura Logan went on with Steve Bannon today. She said the following. Roll that. Well, because they're complicit, Steve. I mean, that's really the only answer. And I'm not saying that based on opinion. Um, If you look at what has happened in Texas recently, there was something called HB 20. That was legislation that that leaders in Texas put forward, state legislation that would have created Texas Border Defense Force. The Texas GOP did not want that to happen. So they opposed HB 20 legislation. And in doing so, they authored a um, a, a, a policy paper um, opposing HB 20 and implementing and suggesting as the alternatives the exact language of the United Nations migration policy. 
right? So what you have is a, a lobbyist group, which is called Texas, it's actually the American Immigration Council. And if you want to find their papers and uh, and their documents, you can go to Texas gopvote.com texasgopvote.com right and this is a, a the texasgopvote.com is where a lot of money comes on for a lot of people in texas a lot of uh senators from texas gop republican senators and what they are advocating is a safe secure open border that's literally the language that they use so we have moved from immigration law and immigration policies where you have legal and illegal immigration to the migration policies of the united nations and globalist organizations and globalist ngos as you just referenced right and what these people talk about what do they advocate they texas gop is saying that we need to address the the border issue we need more migrant processing centers we need humanitarian policies and processing we you know and so on and so on everything is aimed at ensuring more and more and more migration. So it is an obliteration of sovereignty. They're going around Congress. They're going around the legislators. They are going around the American people on both sides, Democrat and Republican. They are going around voters. They are actively opposing legislation that would give Texas under state law the right um, and the means to secure the border on their own without the federal government. And they are assisting the federal government in their open border policy. For a long time, they've been hiding behind Title 42, which is a joke because the uh, pandemic has been over for so long. And it has been really a policy that should not have been in effect. And most importantly of all, they are doing absolutely nothing to secure the border. So you talk about a thousand people coming over in a day. Your uh, previous guest referenced Michael Yan's extraordinary reporting from the Darien Gap, showing the flood of people coming over. Not even in the great state of Texas, where I live, are the Texas leaders doing anything to secure the border. And they are actively assisting in the open border policies of those seeking to obliterate sovereignty and obliterate the United States. Ooh. There you go. Now, this bill would have created a border protection unit that the officers could have arrest, detain, deter any individuals crossing the border illegally, including with the use of non-deadly force. And yet did not pass the, uh, the House. And that's pretty damning testimony from Lara Logan right there on what's going on in Texas. I'll have more on that tomorrow night. All right, let's do some sports before we wrap it up. Uh, what else is uh, that we didn't go over at Slick Rick? All right, just getting some quick scores. The Heat right now look like they're going to take this one from the Knicks. Uh, 106-99, 46 seconds to go. Uh, they're up two games to one. Hello, NBA, you never know. Golden Knights continue to lead the Oilers 2-1 to one in the NHL playoff game. Uh, I'm not going to have enough time to get to this whole story with uh, – well, just real quick. Brett Favre calls for boycott of Fox News. I'm with Tucker. This is Hannah Blue of Breitbart. Former Green Bay Packers star quarterback Brett Favre is calling for a boycott of Fox News in the wake of its sudden sidelining of 
primetime host Tucker Carlson and subsequent revelations that the media giant is working to silence him until after the 2024 election. I'm with Tucker. Time to boycott Fox until they come to their senses and let the man speak. Favre said in a social media post Monday morning, sharing a clip of Megyn Kelly blasting Fox News in which she warns viewers that the media giant is banking on them coming back to the network when the primaries begin to heat up. They are banking on you coming back to them. They, uh, they've uh, got a debate in August. You can't resist. Uh, so anyway, we know pretty much the rest of the story. But Brett Favre coming and speaking out for uh, Tucker Carlson. Boycott Fox News is what he's saying. I'm not saying that. He's saying that. But... All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience, all our great friends in the Getter chat. Thanks very much for giving us two hours of your night. We appreciate it, and we'll see you tomorrow night right here live from Studio 6B. Oh, look at those.